Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 61, Tips for Difficult Conversations. It's September 12th, 2022. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and podcaster. I also happen to be a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be well-loved, happy, and healthy, even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way, and my music is by Howie Moskovich. Tips for difficult conversations. Boy, there are so many conversations in life that are difficult. This is a great topic. And I will say when I'm talking about conversations, I'm talking about communication that can either be verbal, as in talking, or I'm talking about something that could be in writing in terms of an email, in terms of a of a written letter or a note or a card. So when I say conversation, I mean either verbal or in writing. So you want to have healthy, really great relationships in life because that's what's really wonderful. Like nobody wants to have bad relationships. So there are things that you can do, however, to make difficult conversations go better, to have a better outcome or a better result. And that's what we're talking about today. Now, I know for some of you, or perhaps many of you, this is going to sound very foreign, like, who does this? Well, to be honest, people do do this, and I highly recommend it. So these are proven techniques, proven uh, approaches to have difficult conversations, have a better outcome and a better result. So what am I going to cover today? Today in the podcast, I'm going to talk about what exactly is a difficult conversation. I'm going to give you some examples of difficult conversations or conversations that could be difficult. I'm going to talk to you about sorting yourself out. I'm going to talk to you about goals or possible objectives of having said conversations, some managing your expectations, some negatives, some positives, not saying anything and the impact of that, the power of role-playing, the aspect of timing, and then I'm going to give you some general tips for having difficult conversations, some takeaways, and a call to action. So that's where we're going today. Now, if you're new to my content, you can visit my website at www.lisaalundy.com and please enter my current giveaway, which is called, look, look, I want a book. I know I'm giving away books. And I'm really excited because I'm going to have a upcoming giveaway to give away uh, previous copies of my former cookbook that's not in print anymore and uh, my new gluten-free and allergy cookbook and some aprons and some stuff that I really need to find a new home for. So why not have a giveaway? So I'm very excited about that. That'll be announced soon. So you just, you know, you might want to get some free stuff. Why not? Now, the next thing is very important, which is my disclaimer. I am not a medical health professional in any capacity. You, as a, as a human being, should get your medical or therapy advice from a licensed healthcare provider, of which I'm not. Therefore, nothing I say is intended 
to be medical or therapy advice. If you're listening to this podcast and you are feeling hopeless or you feel suicidal or you're really struggling in life, I'm asking you to please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. I'm asking you to tell someone, I'm asking you to talk about it, and I'm asking you to ask for help and take the help that's available because there is help available. People will really help you, I promise. It just might not be the people that you wanted to help you. So there's that. Now, what is actually, what is a difficult conversation or how could we define it? Well, a a difficult conversation can be one that you have verbally or in writing, as I mentioned in the intro. But what constitutes a difficult conversation depends entirely on you, on who you are as a person, on the other person, on the circumstances. Like, it depends on a whole big myriad of things. So what's difficult for you might not be so difficult for someone else. Or what's easy for you might be extremely difficult or impossible for someone else. So this is a wide open territory. I'm not defining it as, well, it's conversations about X, Y, or Z. I'm just saying it depends on a lot of circumstances. And sometimes things that seem like they should be easy are really difficult. So you get to say and whether it's difficult or not. But I really want to reinforce, I'm talking about conversations, meaning communication, and this can be either in writing or verbal. All right, so I want to give you some examples of things that are often difficult. Not always, but often, fairly often. So ending a relationship or a marriage, conversations about problems or issues at work or at home, addressing problems, problem behaviors or actions of other people, starting a new relationship or starting a new marriage or sharing difficult news, conversations about past events that were painful or traumatic, dealing with a past trauma or doing the healing work for a past trauma, conversations about death, about dying, or other end-of-life circumstances or situations are frequently very difficult, and things like reporting discrimination, potential workplace violence, or other inappropriate workplace events can be difficult. So that's a short list of many, many conversations that can be difficult. That's just the way it is. So what I recommend is you first start by sorting yourself out. I call it sorting yourself out. So what what do I mean by that? Well, have you figured out how you feel? Have you contemplated what the issues are, what the information or problems are, or, you know, what's going on? Like, have you kind of sorted that all out? And then the next question I have is, is is your thought process or thinking, is it rational and reasonable? Now, the reason I have this down is because we have a fairly reasonably high percentage of the population who have a cognitive distortion. And if you're not familiar with the term cognitive distortion, I have a whole podcast about that. But basically, someone who has a cognitive distortion 
has a flawed or skewed or warped or inaccurate perception of life, events, situations, etc. It's like looking at life through one of those uh, carnival funhouse mirrors where everything is distorted. So when you have a difficult conversation, it's really extremely important that you're bringing rational thinking to the table. Because if you're bringing irrational thinking to the table, that's a problem. I mean, it's especially a problem if the other person also has irrational thinking. But assuming that the other person or the other party or parties are rational, this is not going to go well. So you want to get flat, get straight. Is your thinking rational? Now, if you happen to have a cognitive distortion, the good news is you can deal with that. So when you're sorting yourself out, it might be valuable if it's a significant or difficult conversation to talk to somebody that is a trusted confidant, whether that's a colleague or your boss or, you know, a family member or friend. So you can get clear about whether your thinking and your thought process is logical and rational and whether you're being reasonable. Because some people walk around life and they have really unreasonable expectations or they're unreasonable about what they're demanding, etc., etc. So it's really helpful to sort yourself out and figure out what is going on with you. And sometimes that means you might recognize that you're being triggered by a past event or a past trauma. Does the situation you know, remind you of something from the past. And can you cop to, can you admit to your role in the situation or the event or the current difficult situation? You know, what is your role? And be willing to apologize if that's warranted. I'm not saying it's warranted or not, but if you're, if, if an apology is appropriate, then you need to be willing to make that. So, you know, I think the other thing that's important when you're sorting yourself out is that it's helpful, it's not required, but it's helpful to come from the view that people are doing the best they can and people are basically good. I said basically. Now, if you happen to hold the view that people are out to get you, people are out to harm you, and people are basically bad, that colors everything you think, everything you do in your whole life, I would recommend you you take a time out and go address that because that's that's probably not helpful. It's probably, probably, probably shooting yourself in the foot. And another thing is to consider whether you're projecting. Now, projecting is a psychology term. I'm probably in the future going to do a podcast about that. But, you know, are you actually projecting in this situation? So you get the idea. You know, before you embark on a difficult conversation, you want to get straight with yourself, especially whether your thinking is is rational. I mean, I hate to break it to you. You might not be thinking rationally. If you're an emotional reasoner, oh boy, there's a lot of those. Or you're one of those, I'm always right. that, That is really problematic. That's probably hurting you in life. So you've got to sort yourself out. Now, once you've done that, you want to look at what is the goal or objective of the conversation because that's very helpful. Like, to get really clear, what are you you hoping to accomplish? I don't know, 
but you're hoping to accomplish something. So I'm going to give you some examples of objectives. One would be to clarify expectations, request or give information, address problems or issues, or raise problems or issues, express your feelings. I mean, it's perfectly fine if the whole point is just to express your feelings. Change or modify promises or agreements. Request changes. Request understanding, as if you're asking, like, well, what happened, why, or how, etc. Prevent further issues or problems, meaning being proactive, and to start repairing a damaged relationship. So those are examples of objectives. And I highly suggest, and you can have more than one. I mean, it doesn't have to just be one of those, or and there's plenty of other ones. Um, that's just common objectives of difficult conversations. But it's really helpful for you to get clear, like you'd like to, you know, communicate some information, or you'd like to, you know, express your feelings and make a request, etc. So get clear about your objective of the difficult conversation. The next thing I suggest is that you begin to look at and manage your expectations. So when we, we have expectations about all kinds of things in life, some of them we know, some of them are kind of stealth, they're undistinguished. And when we have an expectation that goes unmet, like you expect to be paid for a job and you don't receive payment, you're not paid, of course you're going to be in, in, in an upset. So typically when we have an expectation that goes unmet, we're upset. So what are you expecting out of the difficult conversation? Are you expecting them to change? Are you expecting some action? You know, it's helpful. It's actually very powerful for you to distinguish your expectations because that's helpful because then you can manage them. So what are you expecting? The next piece is kind of that there can be some negatives or some pitfalls from having difficult conversations. So everything in life has some risk, or most things in life have some risks. So what are the potential negative consequences for engaging in the difficult conversation, whether it's verbal or in writing? You know, are there, are there potential negative conversations? And are there potential negative consequences if you don't have the conversation? Like, it goes both ways. So you want to consider what's the impact or what's the possible impact of having <clears throat> the conversation. So, you know, you've got to lay that out. And, and while you're doing that, you want to look at is anything, are you afraid of anything? Are you afraid of this, that, or the next thing happening if you have a conversation? Well, you know, sometimes if you bring something up at work, you might lose your job or you might not get a promotion or sometimes you're worried if you bring something up in a relationship the relationship will end well you know if you can't be your authentic self and just having a difficult conversation means the relationship is over that's probably not a healthy relationship but you want to be uh, cognizant you want to be conscious of potential negatives and pitfalls on the other side, you want to really look at the positives of having a difficult conversation. So, for example, when you have a difficult conversation, 
you have the benefit or the positive of being authentic and real. That is extremely powerful. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing. Like I'm committed to being authentic and real because I just have no place for uh, fakeness. I, I abhor it. I don't, I don't do it. I don't allow it. I just can't stand it. One of the few things I can't stand, by the way, but why would you want fakeness? I don't know who, who, who wants that in their life. So one of the upshots of having a difficult conversation is you get to be authentic and real. Next, you'll have no regrets. I know that it can be scary and there can be lots of fears and some potential negatives for having a difficult conversation, but the upshot, which is huge, is you won't have the regret. People ruminate and spend their whole life thinking about things that they regret. Go read lots of books they talk about. It. Like at the end of life, that's what people talk about, what they regretted, what their regrets are. So if you're willing to engage in a difficult conversation, you're not going to have the regret of not having it because you will have had the difficult conversation. So it can also improve relationships. It can address issues and concerns. And even if nothing changes, you've at least spoken your piece. And sometimes it, the positive is it brings something that's unhealthy or bad to an end. That's not necessarily bad. And really, seriously, if you're that afraid of having the conversation with someone else, whether it's at work or at home, that begs the question, what kind of relationship, what kind of environment are you in? And it's probably not a good one. And it will give you peace of mind and peace of spirit. Now, the next thing I have to say, and I say this when I'm working with people and coaching and with friends and family as well, is saying nothing will make no difference. You have no idea what difference the conversation will make make or have if you don't have it. Now, if you think that you know it won't make a difference or you, you're sure that it won't make a difference or you're sure of this or that, that kind of makes me speculate that you might be someone who's either th a mind reader or know-it-all. Like, how you're not the other person. How could you possibly know in a million years whether having the conversation will make a difference or not? How could you possibly know that? Like, I don't know, since you're not the other person, how you could possibly know that. Now, their behavior might not change. They might not do what you want them to do. But that doesn't mean that the conversation didn't make a difference. That doesn't mean that the conversation wasn't worth having. Sometimes the reason you have difficult conversations is because you want to go on record about something or you're concerned about someone and you just want to bare your soul and express that not that their behavior changes but that they know I mean I can't tell you how many people in the last decade or so said to me oh, I wish I would have told you about X Y or Z I, I realize I should have I regret it deeply etc yeah there are all kinds of regrets associated with not having a difficult conversation. And in some instances, for example, at work, you know, not having the conversation could have serious or deadly impacts 
to other people, say for example, a concern about potential workplace violence. So not having the conversation will make zero difference. And you cannot possibly know whether the conversation will make a difference or not if you don't have it. Now that being said, not all conversations are meant to be had. So there, there's this piece of right judgment and knowing, you know, when and if to have the conversation. So I'm not saying just because you have something on your mind that you'd like to express or something that, you know, you want to do that it's appropriate. Because how could I possibly know that? This is not the carte blanche, go have every difficult conversation you can think of. No, because sometimes when you go through all the steps, then you sit back and you go, hmm, yeah, I don't need to do that, or I don't need to do that right now. So that's that. Now there's something in preparing though. So, so assume you've done all the, the, the work I've mentioned so far. Then there's this thing called role playing and the power of role playing for preparing you for difficult conversations is stunning and amazing. Now we know role playing in business and, and therapy is extremely important. Like when I worked for Xerox and Bausch and Lomb in sales training, they did role playing out the yin yang. I mean, it was like almost every single day of sales training, you did role playing. You be the customer, now you be the sales rep, now you reverse. So role playing for difficult conversations is wildly helpful. Why? Because you'll get practiced, you'll grow your confidence in what you have to say, and you'll probably learn things you shouldn't say, or you'll probably get ideas of better ways of phrasing things. And quite frankly, it can be a lot of fun. It can be an awful lot of fun. And I, the way I recommend it is you, you be you and you be the recipient. So you change roles and you have it be where you're being the recipient being nice and you're being the, you being you, the recipient being mean or nasty, you know, just play it up all different ways and have some fun with it. I mean, I'm telling you, some of my friends and I have just roared hysterically at doing this in preparations for work and personal conversations. <laughs> so, so you can have fun with it. So yes, if it's a really important conversation and it's difficult, I don't know why you wouldn't want to prepare as much as you can so that it goes better. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't want to do that. And not everything requires that, but that's the power of role playing. It can be very wildly fun and extremely helpful. And, you know, I do it with people I work with. I do it with my friends. I do it with everybody. Like, why not? All right. So then there's this aspect of timing. So, whether you're talking about a verbal conversation or something in writing, you have to be thoughtful about the timing because sometimes the timing for you is good, but the timing for the other person or the other parties is not so good. Like, is it, if it's a good time for you, is it really a good time for them? What are they dealing with? What's on their plate? Because you want to be compassionate and have empathy for whoever you're going to have this conversation and what's going on in their life. Because if they're really struggling, it's probably not a great time for a difficult conversation. And maybe it is. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying you want to be cognizant of timing and try to, you know, factor that in to whether or not you have it or when you have it and how you have it. 
All right, so now I just want to give you some general tips beyond what I already said. So my first recommendation is you go through all the steps that I just listed out and then begin to decide if you're going to have the difficult conversation because sometimes when you go through all the steps you've made some notes you're clear about what you want to accomplish and maybe you, you've written it all down and then you kind of sit back and you go hmm I really don't need to have this conversation like it's helped you process and manage your emotions but you don't really need to have it or it's really not the best thing to do. So you're going to go through all the steps before you make a decision. And then, you know, of course, you've sorted yourself out. You're clear about your expectations. You're clear about your objectives. And then you're going to make an outline. Like if you're actually going to go through with it, make an outline of the bullet points. And once you've made an outline of the bullet points, next you're going to sleep on it. You're going to think about it. And when you're having a difficult conversation, you want to be using I statements instead of you. So, for example, an I statement would be, I feel sad when you do X. I feel happy when I see Y or Z or whatever happening. I feel X when you say A, B, or C. So you get the point. It's I feel, I think, I believe, blah, blah, blah based on whatever. So that's very different for a recipient than hearing you make me feel sad or you make me do X, Y, or Z or you, you know, so you want to use an I statement because that'll take the edge off. That gives you, that means you're taking responsibility for your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts. And it's really very helpful, extremely helpful. I really want to do that everywhere in life, in my opinion. The other thing you want to refrain from, which is called monsterizing, by the way, is using the phrase, the words always or never. So the use of the word always or never is a sign of monsterizing because people may frequently or almost always, but most people don't always or never. It's usually not black and white like that. So maybe it's more often than not. Maybe it's frequently, but I would definitely take the word always and never out of your vocabulary. So if you're dealing with a situation that's problematic, whether it's behaviors or circumstances, my recommendation, my strong recommendation is that you come to the table in advance of the difficult conversation, whether it's verbal or in writing, with some ideas and suggestions for how to solve the problem. I mean, nobody likes problems, but when you have a problem and you have solutions or options, that's just way more acceptable to people because you, you've really thought it through and you're saying, hey, this is a problem for me, this is why, and here are some different ideas I have on how we can work on it together. Now, if it's a really difficult conversation, then I suggest you role play it before you have it. And if it's a written communication and it's really difficult and important, definitely get somebody to put their eyes on it and give you some feedback. People will help you. Of course, as I already mentioned, you've got to really seriously consider any potential negatives in terms of fallout 
or retaliation or other negative pitfalls and make your thinking, make sure your thinking is rational. This is so important because irrational, if you're irrational, like things are just not going to go well. They're not going to go well because you're looking at life through a warped carnival funhouse mirror. That's how you look through life. If you engage in irrational thinking, which I already said is very common and you can do something about it. So given if it's appropriate to have the, you know, conversation and you've done all the steps I've said, then, then, you know, you've got to factor in the timing. Is this the right time? Because there's wisdom in knowing that maybe it's a conversation that needs to be had, but maybe you have to wait for a variety of reasons. My next point or suggestion is if it's a heavy topic or, you know, kind of deep, maybe a trauma or something that's significant, you know, it might be valuable to get the input of a highly qualified therapist to weigh in on, you know, the whole topic and make suggestions because I'm not a therapist and you're, you know, if you're a therapist, you're a therapist, but even if you're a therapist, you know, therapists use other therapists, you know, so depending on the nature of the difficult conversation, it might be prudent and helpful to have a therapist provide some guidance. And then Lastly, you know, if you've gone through all the steps I've suggested and you feel that it's appropriate and the timing is right, then you can go ahead and have the conversation or send the email. But there are all of these things are really important because you want difficult conversations to have a positive result. And the more you prepare, the more likely it will have a positive result. Now, just because you do all the steps to prepare doesn't mean it's going to go well. I mean, you're not the other person. But all of these things increase the likelihood of a better result. So my takeaways for this podcast are it's time to make difficult conversations a little bit easier by preparing for them. Because yes, preparing for them, even though they're difficult, makes it a little easier. And it's time to understand that Any preparations that you do in advance increase the likelihood of a successful outcome. And it's also time to uh, give the proper time and attention to the conversations in our life that we should be having or we could be having or maybe, you know, would be best if we had. For my call to action, like, it's time to just start looking at life differently and preparing for difficult conversations. And it's time to do your due diligence when they arise. And lastly, share this podcast on social media to help other people have difficult conversations be not quite so difficult. That's it. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 61, Tips for Difficult Conversations. I hope you're going to consider what you can do to improve the results and outcomes of any difficult conversations that you have by preparing in advance. If you happen to enjoy this podcast, well, I hope you're going to subscribe so you get the new ones automatically. And please connect with me on my website so you can enter my giveaway. That's all for now. I hope you're doing well. Take care.